0: One of our elders in the church was sharing recently that uh, he's learned to do a lot of repairs, especially on his car. Uh, and what he does is he goes onto YouTube, and uh, they basically have every sort of repair on his car possible. And uh, so he, he goes on there, and he watches it, and then he goes and gets all the uh, the, the materials that he needs and finds himself doing it. And, and he's good at it. I, I think I'd have to watch it 50 times and then I'd see why are all these parts left over at the end? But, but he's really good at it and he was sharing that he doesn't have to pay anybody to do it, it happens sometimes even quicker and more conveniently. And so learning by observation is one of the ways. Some of us learn by brilliance, we're just you know smart. Some of us uh, learn through a classroom but a lot of us learn through trial and error but, but watching somebody do it right really, really helps. We are in a series where we're watching the life of Abraham. It, his name goes from Abram to Abraham, and you can find him in Genesis chapters 12 to 25. But, but he, really, he's a model for us because in the Old and the New Testaments, this is the name that is given to him, his sort of nickname, God's friend. And I don't know about you, but if you want to be anybody's friend, or especially if you want to be God's friend, why don't you learn from somebody who has the name? In other words, he earned it over a period of years, and we get to watch him very closely for about a 25-year period of his life. And we learned how he was developing this friendship with God, and there's at least five facets or five ways in which we can trace his uh, developing friendship in Genesis. Genesis. Uh, the first was that he listened to God rather than just to himself. And uh, it's recorded very early on that God speaks to him and we actually know what God says to him. The next is that he talks to God is wherever he travels. He has this, this special place where he goes and he gives his offering and he and, and off, gives his praise and makes his request. And it's probably the very same place where he was listening to God. But now also he talks to God there. And we have two very intricate conversations where he and God are talking back to one another. I love reading that every January for about eight days. Uh, Then last week we were looking at this, this next facet of you believe God. In other words, what God says you believe. Now, we're living in a culture where we're talking about philosophically and scientifically being able to believe in God. This is not what Abraham's dealing with. Abraham is dealing with believing the promises and the purposes that God is giving him. And so it says he hears what God promises. He hears the purposes that God has for his life. And he believes him. He believes what God has told him about his life. Now, think about this. This will be something similar. Uh, A friend of yours comes to you, and that friend says, look, I need to borrow from you a huge amount of money for a short period of time. I need about uh, $80,000 for two months. And at the end of those two months, and here's the date, I promise I will pay it back to you, Okay? okay? Now, do you believe him? Not do you believe in him, you know he exists, but do you believe him? Do you believe that he will pay you back at this date? That's in a way what Abraham is hearing, and I, I just want you to know this. If you've done that, and you've lent somebody that you call a friend, somebody that you say you can trust a huge amount of money, as you get to that last month, you say, "You know, he hasn't called much recently." In fact, I, I went and knocked on his door. And the cars were gone, furniture was gone. As you get closer and closer to that end period and you know this is the day he promised to pay you back, isn't it a test of your heart of whether you really do believe such a person? Well, hopefully that hasn't... Well, if it has happened to you, that was a true friend and the true friend paid it back. Now we go on to something that is uh, maybe a little esoteric, a little more esoteric, but I, I think it's evident anyway. In other words, if you want to know something about somebody else's friend, don't you go to that person who says he or she is a friend of him or her, and you go to that person and you would ask the question, what's it like? Give me a reference. And, and the issue would be, well, how do you know this person is like that? A long period of observation personally. In other words, I have watched this person over a long period of time, and this is consistently true. Not not exclusively, not all the time, but it's consistently true. You learn about somebody by watching somebody. Just as we learn about fixing a car by watching a video, you learn about what somebody's true nature is by watching that person, relating to that person. So we've talked about, you know, you can listen to God, talk to God, believe God, but you also need to watch God at work. To grow in your friendship with God, you commit yourself to watching him for the rest of your life. That means you're not not assuming that he's not at work, but instead you're assuming that he is at work. And we want to watch Abraham watch God, which is what we're going to do this morning. What's God like, Abraham? Well, let me tell you. Read with me this part of Genesis, he would say, because I want to tell you about the God that I have been watching in my life. When do you know you're watching God? The first is when it's too wonderful to be true. That's when you know you're watching God. Here's a great example. In Genesis chapter 18... Uh, uh, Abraham has these three visitors who are heavenly beings. We're not going to get into the theology of this, okay? But he has three visitors, heavenly beings, and one of them does the speaking. And the one who does the speaking, after this long uh, uh, sort of description of what it means to be hospitable to angels who have come to, to, uh, 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 to visit you, so after this long thing, then there's this conversation after the meal. And uh, the conversation begins with this heavenly being saying, I will surely return to you about the same time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Well, okay. Normally, you'd say that's not out of the question, but it is if you're 90 and your husband's 100. Okay? (laughs) That's pretty much out of the question. And this is what has been said. But what really what's going on is this heavenly being is saying, the promise that I have been giving to you, Abram, Abraham now, for the last 25 years is going to be fulfilled. Now that you know it can't be done, we're going to do it. Now that you know it can't be done on your own, this is the season in which God's going to do it for you. And you're going to have a union with your husband. And maybe you forgot what that's like, but give him a wink and see what happens. And and then from that union, there's going to be a baby. And it turns out Sarah is listening at the tent, even though Abraham said, well, she's in her own tent. She was listening to every word. And uh, it says, so Sarah, when she heard this, laughed to herself and thought, only thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, Will I now have this pleasure of having a child? So hearing that what she has been longing for, both she and her husband for all these years, and probably this hope that she has now abandoned, that it's now going to be given in a miraculous way, this demands a response. And most of the humans, most of us would respond the same way uh, uh, Sarah does. She laughs. She responds. And there's all types of laughter, aren't there? This is the, yeah, right, laughter. It's the laughter of skepticism. Yeah, 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 I, I don't know what you've been eating. Oh, you've been eating our food. I'm sorry. But I don't know what you've been eating or drinking, but this can't possibly happen. The facts do not warrant that this promise will occur. Now, there's other types of laughter, but this is the one that says it cannot happen. She does not believe it. And so she's challenged. She's challenged, and, 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 and that heavenly being says, uh, Sarah, you laughed. I, I know you're outside the tent listening. Sarah, you laughed. She goes, no, I didn't laugh. He goes, yeah, you did laugh. But then gives this promise to the both of them. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Do you see that as anything too hard for the Lord? That, that's not necessarily inaccurate, but it's not the best, uh, you might say, translation. It's not the best way to look at it. But something similar was happened later when Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to have a, a son and he would be uh, the, the very son of God and the Messiah that all Israel has been waiting for, when that was announced, she said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And Gabriel answers, for nothing is impossible for God. So you might have that sense of it's not too hard, but but knowing who God is, it's not impossible. But probably the best one is, is anything too wonderful for God? Don't you like that? Is anything too great? That's the positive way. So what he's saying is, I know you have your plans, but God's plans are bigger and better. So is anything too wonderful for this God that who is your friend? Uh, And the answer is supposed to be no. So if you're going to be watching God, understand when he shows up, it's often a time that's wonderful. You can't believe what he is promising you. You can't believe the purposes he has for you. They may be challenging. They may not be easy. But you go, I wouldn't have thought of that. A second way you watch God and you know you're watching him is when God does exactly what he says. And it says this in, in chapter 21 later. So we started in 18. Now we're into chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the uh, at the very time God had promised. So you know that God did this not just because she got pregnant, but because it happened exactly the way God said. In about a year, he said, I will return and this is what it's going to look like. So that actually happens. And, and and imagine because now here's sarah approaching 90 looking this way here's abraham sort of <sighs> and 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 now the laughter turns to a wonderful laughter can you believe this i mean you can't disbelieve it look at it can you believe this? This is exactly what God has said. God makes a promise. God keeps a promise. God does things exactly the way he says. So there they are in their old age. It's probably a scene something like this. You know, as Abraham is approaching, approaching 100, he probably goes to Sarah and says, I'm inventing something brand new. Uh, you know how we have these big wheels on our cart when we move from place to place and we, we, we hook our, our our oxen up to it and we go to the next place and then we go to the next place with our livestock. Well, and, and we put our tent in there and everything in there and that's how we get around. He says, I'm, I'm thinking as I get older, uh, I probably need to invent smaller wheels and put them on a chair. And I'm going to call it a wheelchair. <laughs> and Sarah says, no. You need to invent a high chair. You need to find some way in which I'm bending over, feeding this little booger, you know, all the time, and, and I don't want to take my back out. It's almost the difference between a walker and a baby carriage. You know, you have a walker to keep you steady as we get older. I have three at my home, and, 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 and you use that walker, but now you, you extend that walker, you put a baby in the front, and, and it still keeps you steady. God does just as he says. And so here is what Sarah says, God has brought me laughter. And everyone here who hears about this will laugh with me. So you think of, okay, what's a name that's appropriate? For our son being born, how about he laughs? Which is what Isaac means. Now, don't do that with your kids, please. Okay? Please. Call him Tom, you know, call him Richard. Call him call him Rory. Call him anything. But but not he laughs, okay? But this makes sense for them. Now understand that this is not the skeptical laughter, but an amazement laughter. God fulfills his promise, and you giggle, and you you got to clap your hands. Look what's happening here. The Almighty God blesses in ways that you never would have imagined you've almost given up on. So Isaac is their only child, yet he doesn't fulfill the promise of a great nation. He just fulfills the promise that you're going to have an heir. Uh, After Isaac... I mean, Isaac has a wife and they they have a pair of twin boys, but that's not a nation. But from those twin boys comes Jacob who has 12 sons. And now the nation begins. So it's not that uh, Abraham sees the promise totally fulfilled, but he sees the down payment. God does something amazing so that God will fulfill it in generations to come. God is known by what he does and by what he says. He does just what he says. So by watching God do wonderful things beyond the normal things, beyond the things that we have given up on, and understanding that God does just as he says, that is how Abraham says, this is my God. I've been watching him for a quarter of a century. This is what he's like. And when someone says, what is your God like? He says, he's the God of wonders and the God of fulfillment. He's a faithful God. So I want you to consider God like Abraham considers God. I want you to be thinking, just as we sang that song, Great is thy faithfulness. What would be your story when you're talking about God's faithfulness to you? I call it going on a God hunt or hunting for God. And and it's not just that this is what Abram does, but it's also what Jesus does. You see, uh, at a very key time in Jesus' ministry in in Jerusalem, where no matter what he did or what he said, he was being criticized by the religious leaders, he heals this man who's been an invalid for 30 years. 30 years! And at the end uh, of that healing, uh, people come up to him and say, you shouldn't have done it today, you should have done it tomorrow. And he has this wonderful answer about God. He says, my father's always at work. Around the clock, around the world. My father's always at work. And if my father's always at work, I'm at work. So take your day of rest. I don't. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't rest. It just understand what God is like. That God will be working all the time, all around the world. uh, Not just in your life, but he wants to work in everyone. He works in unbelievers, even though they don't recognize him, and he works in believers, we should be the ones who recognize that He's working in us and through us. So it's not a matter of fact, and it's not a matter of if God wants to work, both around you and in you. It's more a matter of, do you want him to? Are you watching for him to work? One of the things I've tried to remind my children of is that God is hovering over their lives and he wants to work in them. Now, it may not be that they or I are going to have children at the age of a of 100, but if they are truly watching for his work, I believe they'll see it. And I have accounts of my life that I try to remind them of in terms of how God has shown up for me. Understand that we're living in a culture that really says, well, if we believe in God... The best way to describe how he works is that the Lord helps those who help themselves. In other words, it's up to me to do all this work and and, and maybe God will show up and bless it. But Abraham found it was just the other way around. God had to be the initiator to do something that, that no man could do by himself. So God is working. The issue, I think, for us as believers is, are you watching? Are you looking for him Hunting for his work, and it can be on many different levels. It can be start from something as an act of kindness done towards you, and you see God in that act. It can be one of these things that the uh, the secular cult- culture calls a coincidence, or it can be something as huge as, as that you have to look at it and say, "This is a God thing going on. Only God could do this." Now, something in between. Uh, my son, one of my sons, gets newly married. And uh, he, he, he got a degree in philosophy, which means no job possibilities anywhere, okay? <laughs> and, and, and we understood that. So we said, okay, you're going to start at the bottom. But you know, financial security is really important to us as we get older because we don't want to be your financial security. But we also think you learn something by, by just progressing and learning. Well, he goes from one job, which is very poor, paying, to another job that hits him into lower middle class. And then he says, Dad, something happened today, and I don't know what to make of it. I said, well, what happened? Well, a neighbor that I've only said hi to came by and uh, wanted to talk to me. And I said, well, about what? Computers. I go, okay. How does your philosophy degree deal with that? He goes, well, Dad, I, I know how to use a computer. Okay. Uh, so what is he talking about? Well, he wants me to go up and watch him do this software thing that he does. I said, okay, you said you go? You go along. He went up a few days later and he said, Dad, uh, I think it was an interview. He wanted to see if what he was doing I could understand. I said, Could you understand it? Mm, yeah. I said, What would help you understand it more? Go back to school? No, son. We're not going through that again. No, just a couple classes, Dad. Okay, go for it. So he goes back, and uh, they hire him, and they hire him for twice the amount of money that he was making at this job. Within a year, they say, hey, you're, you're obviously a quick learner because everybody's coming to you asking for help in programming. No, he goes, okay. So your manager, oh, good, okay. Uh, how big's my team? As big as you want it. Okay, all right. And I I was talking to him about four months ago. And I said, do you believe that that neighbor coming and talking to you in your driveway was just a coincidence? And he goes, no, Dad, that's a God thing. It was. It was. Now, it's just not for your financial security and keeping your family, you know, above water financially. But really what, what God has done is set a whole new avenue for you in terms of your future career. And more than that, I I think he has helped you understand that his hand is still upon you. He said at a very key moment, Dad, I don't think God wants me in ministry. I went, great. As long as you know what God wants you to do. Well, I don't know that either, but I don't think he wants me in ministry. Fine. It was a God thing. Sometimes... Also, we learn that it goes from a promise claimed to a promise completed. Abraham knew that, but it only took 25 years to learn it for good. And that's, you know, not for a lot of us, but uh, we say 25 years, way too long to wait, but it's not too long for God. Now, in the midst of this, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Uh, I want to challenge you, just as Isaac got his name, meaning he laughs, I want to challenge you to watch God with the result that you give him a name. Oh, no, God's high and holy. That that doesn't work. I I could never give him a name. Uh, Believe me, you probably won't come up with anything new, but you'll come up with something that is real for you. What do I mean by that? (laughs) Are given to God by the people who have been watching him. Four names that never mentioned anywhere else or any, any time before. Four names are given that are not mentioned anywhere else beforehand. Uh, let me just go through. One is, uh, when Sarah's slave Hagar escapes and she's dying in the desert, uh, God shows up to her and, and from that incident, she says, you know, here I am a slave, but I understand this is the God who sees me. And she gives him the name Elroy. And, and so his name is Elroy, the God who sees me. There's another time in which uh, when Abraham hears God's mighty promise that, that he's made to Sarah and, and, and that he's going to become a mighty nation, for the first time he gets this name El Shaddai, meaning the Almighty God. Only God can do this. Not mentioned anywhere before. Uh, the last one I want to mention is when... Uh, uh, the baby carriage and the high chair are done and God has given this command we'll be looking at in three weeks to Abraham and he's walking up this mountain and he's carrying the fire that's supposed to light the sacrifice and he's got his son with him and the son says, Dad, we've got the fuel and we've got the fire but we don't have the sacrifice. Now, Abraham knows what's about to happen. Isaac doesn't and God gets a new name the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh if you were to think of a name for God in terms of how you've watched him and how he's acted in your life what would his name be can I give you one I mean mine I have a certain reputation around here He's the God who reminds me. Some of you are already laughing. okay? He's the God who reminds me. Let me give you five dates in my life. 1967, 1970, 1972, 2000, and 2012. Every one of those years, I believed God was speaking to me to do something very specific. And I said, yes, Lord, I believe that's what you're calling me to do. That's my purpose. That's the activity you want me to be involved in. And then I walked away and simply forgot it. And I didn't pursue it. I didn't look into it. But within every season, God shows up and he reminds me. And when I see what he has provided for me, the opportunity... I have to say oh you're the god who reminded me this has affected my giving it has affected where I'm living it has also affected the future and 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 you might say the overall purpose of my life my purpose now some of you are saying well let's see you went 1967 1970 1972 2000 anything happened in those other 28 years no no, yes. And here's, here's my greatest fear and desire. God's going to say, remember in 1982 when you said this? And I can honestly say, not to you reminded me. Because he's the God who reminds me. What would you name God? Let's pray. El Shaddai, Yahweh Yireh, El Olam. Lord, all these names come from experience of people who are watching you, who see that you do something that's too wonderful, or see that you don't make a promise, you also keep a promise. We have the privilege of naming you. Because of the way your life, your power, your person has intersected ours. How loved can people be? How loved can people be? And we thank you. Just remembering, Father that all that we need to know about you, we can also read. But you also give us the wonderful experience of watching you over a long period of time in our lives. Help right now the skeptic this morning who's laughing at what I've just said. Help also, Father, the person who says, I've been waiting so long for this promise to be fulfilled. Help them know that you're just not a promise maker, but a promise keeper. Help us to be watching you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, God's people said.